Hello listeners and welcome once again to another episode of Homeschooling Matters where we talk about matters pertaining to homeschooling as well as the value of homeschooling. My name is Nikki Rodriguez and I am your host. Now I have been inundated with questions concerning curriculum choices, especially in light of all that has been happening within recent times in the world. People are seriously considering homeschooling. People who may not have even looked in that direction before are thinking about it. And like a good friend of mine who I've interviewed countless times on this podcast, we both have been saying the same thing. If you were ever really thinking about homeschooling now, okay, I guess this is your dry run. But if you are just thinking about it to deal with whatever, probably not the best time to start. All right, so let us not, you know, try to force all these things that couldn't happen before in this particular time because that's just basically pandemic or crisis schooling. If you really want to homeschool, you have to make um, a, a, a real decision, a focused decision, not a, a panic decision to do this particular thing because when you're in it, you're in it for the long haul. All right? So we don't want anybody to be forced or just thrust into this new role and think, well, okay, well, I might as well. Let's make it a very conscious decision. So I have with me today on the line three of my dearest homeschooling buddies. Of course, in the mix would be Bernadette Francis. You know her as my homeschooling mentor. Then I have my very good friend, Barbara Manswell. You've heard from her as well. You've also heard from Fiona Rajkumar. And today you'll be hearing from Mrs. Anne-Marie Mitchell for the first time. So welcome, ladies. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to record with me today on Homeschooling Matters. Anri, let me start with you. How are you? How have things been? Hi, everybody. I'm doing well. How have things been? Things have been good. And um, generally, I'm, I'm specifically speaking about the homeschooling journey. So I have two children, my husband and I, Lyndon and I, have uh, been... The parents of Anya and Josiah. Anya is 15, going on 16, and Josiah is 12. Well, no, 11, going on 12, right? He almost seems 12 already. And, and we've been homeschooling them, well, from since they were school-ready age. Uh, it's been an excellent, exciting journey with many um, twists and turns and rough patches and good patches, but it's been excellent. Okay, awesome, awesome. Barbara, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Good afternoon, Nikki. It's great to hear from you again. Uh, I am doing very well. And uh, we have been homeschooling for 17 years. And uh, as you may have heard on an earlier podcast with Nikki, we have four children, uh, ages 23, 21, 19. And our youngest, Derek, just turned 17 uh, last week, Thursday. So he is... Um, I can't believe that. I can't believe that Kenrick is 23. I can't believe you just said I that. I am shocked. <laughs> but they, they've, they've really grown up with all of you guys. And, and as we've met together at different times, um, yes, we've all watched each other's children grow up. And it's just amazing to see where they're at now. Hard to believe. Absolutely. A young five-year-old. He wow. was five when we first started. So, yeah. So we are doing wow. well. Um, they've all homeschooled through high school. Our youngest has another after this year. Well, the, we're at the tail end of this year. He has one more year before he will go out to university. So yes, so we're doing okay. great and just okay. surviving all of this COVID thing and uh, continuing on with our schooling. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome, awesome. Bernadette, no stranger to homeschooling matters. How are you doing since we last spoke? <laughs> and I for the new listeners, tell us about yourself. Sure, I'm very well. Um, in a few short weeks, my husband, Sean, and I will be celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary. Um, Pause for an applause. Pause for an applause. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Together, we have five children. Um, our oldest is going on 25, followed, that's our oldest girl, Frederique. Um, followed by Joshua going on 21, and the other three, Zachary 17, Sean Perez 15, and Amanda Grace 13. And I began um, my homeschooling journey 19 years ago with my first child. And that's me in a nutshell. Okay, great. Bernadette, thank you so much. Fiona, welcome once again to Homeschooling Matters. How are you doing? Tell us about yourself. Hi, everyone. Listeners. My name is Fiona Rajkumar. 
Um, I've been married to Rodney Rajkumar for 16 and a half years now. And I am the homeschooling mom of two girls, uh, one Ashka, who is 11, almost to be 12, and Alina, who is seven, going on 17. And I also, she is, <laughs> I also lecture history at the University of the Southern Caribbean. Uh, in terms of our homeschooling journey, um, I came into homeschooling before we had children. Um, I remember uh, meeting Bernadette and then being invited to a homeschooling meeting that Barbara, Bernadette and Anne-Marie were all at. This was before we had our first daughter. Uh, just to see what it was like, you know, to homeschool and to be around homeschooling families. And it was really uh, an interesting, that term was really an interesting term uh, for us as a family. And then, so the January we got pregnant and six months later, we were back at the homeschool group with six month old Ashka, um, just raring to learn more about homeschooling. Wow. I remember when I came to the group, That's you correct. were there with a baby. That's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were there with a baby and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That is fine. Um, so you have always been invested in this. You've always been interested in the idea of homeschooling. And I know you spoke to this already. So if you missed that episode, folks, it's in season one of Homeschooling Matters. Just look for that particular episode featuring Fiona Rajkumar. Okay, so today, as I mentioned before, a lot of people are asking about homeschooling. And Bernadette, you have been saying it in your interviews and I've been saying it as well. Now would not be the best time to start. All right? But there are some people who were originally planning on homeschooling anyway some people for some people this is a catalyst really to thrust them into homeschooling full-time they've been bobbing and weaving and dodging trying to dodge the bullet but now you know some people are really saying no Nikki I know it may not be the best time to start because of fear whatever but this is something that I really want to do so we want to speak to the people who in spite of COVID despite COVID before after whatever they were already planning on doing it I did do a segment, an episode rather, on home, on curriculum choices, but I didn't go into, you know, graphic detail with any one particular curriculum. Now that I have you four awesome ladies on here with me, each of you having used one or many of the various curricula that's out there, I would like us to speak to that so we could give some parents a little bit of guidance. I always tell them, you know, comparisons is theft of joy, and what may work for one family may not work for another family. So we're keeping all of that in mind, right? You're going to be sharing from the perspective as, how, as to how it worked for your particular family, how it worked for your particular children individually. And I want you to share as well the pluses and the minuses, the good and the bad of the various curriculum choices that you have made. All right, so Anri, let me start with you. Can you let us know what curriculum you're using or have used, which one you loved, which one you didn't like so much? And Because all of us here, are using either a US-based or Canadian-based curriculum, right? None of us here have subscribed to the um, Ministry of Education's local curriculum. So we are speaking, for those of you listening, we are speaking with, to that particular audience, the parents who are interested in using a US or Canadian-based curriculum. All right, so Anri, let me hear from you. What are you using? How has it been working? Okay, thanks, Nikki. Um, when I first started... Uh, one of the um, may one of the first things that I had to jump over this, the first hurdle was to decide what what would have been the best curriculum for Anya, um, who was at that time maybe four or so, and Anya is a real creative mind. Um, she has her learning style is she's a very kinesthetic learner, um, very different from me, and um, and so I went searching online, asking other homeschooling parents and so on about you know what were, what they were using and so on and i did come across a number of things the first thing i came across was before i could have gotten the curricula was about the different approaches to home homeschooling and i did come across one that i felt was um really spoke to me and that was the charlotte mason approach to education um and charlotte was a British educator. Right. And so a lot of her writings did influence um, my choice of curriculum. And at that time, I found out about Sunlight curriculum. So N-L-I-G-H-T and Sunlight is a heavy ba literature-based curricula, curriculum, sorry, um, which I began to look into. I really especially like Sunlight because Sunlight's byline is actually the way you wish you'd been taught. And I have found that to be true because they mm -hmm. use a lot of 
uh, what they would call living books to teach the various subject areas, um, books that um, don't just present the, the information as um, facts, but really alive with stories and anecdotes and whatever else they, they, can, they can choose. They, a lot of their books are Newberry Medal Award uh, books. In terms of their, yes, their, their books, literature yeah. selection, which are generally very good, um, very excellent material. And I particularly found it to be a, a really good fit for Anya. Um, one of the things that I liked about Sunlight is that Josiah, my son, is very different in his learning style as well as his areas of interest than Anya. He's really not, he's really a science mind, but he, he, he really laps up Sunlight's approach. So I found that it was also a very good fit for him. In, within the Sunlight curriculum, which ca covers the core subjects of um, history, Bible, and literature, you can also add language arts and maths and so on. And their curriculum, um, one of the suggested math curricula within that is Singapore. And I found Singapore to also be an excellent option for math because it's very hands-on in their approach. And um, Annie is not um, somebody who's very interested in math, but her math, her understanding of math is excellent. And I credit it really to, to Singapore's approach. Um, what else? So Sunlight has been my okay. base, but I, have, I do use other curricular um, options to supplement. I use wisdom homeschooling for the children's literature um, and critical thinking um, development. And I use apology of science for science. Okay. Okay, great. And you found that sunlight works well for both I your daughter so. and son? Or do you find that you have had to tweak it? Well, Josie is, okay, way, great. Josie great. is way ahead. Sorry, oh, Josie is way ahead in terms of the science. But yes, it has done very well for him. Apology is excellent for that. Right, because I also use sunlight um, to a lesser extent, to a lesser extent pre-COVID. And now in the midst of it, in fact, since towards the end of last year, I felt the Lord kind of encouraging me to go back to the original vision and mission for our homeschooling and to go back to the sunlight books that I had on the shelf because, of course, I was trying to keep up with this, mm -hmm. that, and the other. And somewhere along the line, I lost my vision and the mission for which we had started on this journey. And he basically nudged me to come back in the direction of sunlight. So to, to get back to reading, just, just spending time reading, you know, to the children. And a lot of learning, of course, we know can take place during that time. So that is one of the things I loved about sunlight. As you said, they're living books. And so all the material that can be taught, can be learned through beautiful, beautifully written literature books as well. And of course, you supplement with, well, I supplemented with teaching textbooks instead of the Singapore math, and I supplemented as well with the Apologia, so I understand that completely. All right, great. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. Barbara, care to chime in here? Yes, certainly. Um, I would first like to state that your best resource when you're looking at a curricula really is to talk to other people that you know that are homeschooling, and so this forum is an excellent opportunity for people listening to hear about different things that have worked. Um, there is so much out there nowadays that you can easily just be overwhelmed when you go online to look. And uh, so talk to people. Absolutely. Um, when, again, having homeschooled for 17 years, we've used a variety. And um, you will quickly learn if you have more than one child that one, what works for one may not work the same for another one. And so every year I found myself tweaking a little bit in the early days. Um, reading out loud and reading good books to my kids was very, very significant. In fact, I kept reading until two years ago was my last read aloud. And they, I had asked my two boys who were still home then, and they said, yes, they wanted me to read once more. So um, that is something that helps them develop a love for reading and for literature. Um, I also, in the early days, did a lot of Montessori work. Um, I had been exposed to that in a, in a preschool environment, and I really liked the methodology. And so my kids did a lot of those activities. Um, I made a lot of them myself, and they had that. When they went into um, their first years, I used the KONOS program. KONOS, K-O-N-O-S, is a biblical character trait um, study that goes into significant character traits and then does in-depth unit studies on a variety of areas. So for example, 
Um, one of them would be orderliness. And orderliness is a vast arena that is a character development trait. And then we studied the sun, the moon, and the stars and the six days of creation. And we studied um, time and how time has to fit in, in and so on and so forth. Um, so Konos, I really enjoyed because you can, it's multi-age level. So they have everything in that program, all your subjects except for math, and you can tailor it according to the ages. So I taught all the kids the same thing, all, all four of them at that time. And then they did their reading on their own, their writing at their own level. And then I supplemented, or our, our math curriculum was the only thing that was separate at that time. And I used a program called Math UC. And I really appreciated Math UC. Um, it uses a lot of manipulatives um, and that being um, blocks and shapes and different things to help you visualize what you're actually learning in the subtraction and division and multiplication and addition. And uh, that worked. I really right. appreciate the math you see because it goes all the way through to um, finishing high school. They have a level for each year and each year is a specific in-depth study. As they got into high school years, we picked up more apology of science, which is a curriculum that is creation based, but in fact, and in it totally um, properly done scientifically. And it's really um, specific, goes through each of the subject areas and is well done. Uh, we have also, like Anne-Marie, um, used Wisdom Homeschooling. And Wisdom Homeschooling is an agency in Canada, actually, that has a whole series of online literature classes. And um, you meet weekly with your class and your instructor. And using Socratic dialogue, discuss the reading material. Um, and it, it really is a wonderful way for your children to develop the ability to speak, um, to articulate what they think, the pro thought processes and all of that. And that was fantastic. So that gives you a, an overall nutshell, I guess, of what we have done through the years. Okay. Okay, great, Barbara. Thanks for sharing. You know, you mentioned the uh, Montessori method, um, Charlotte Mason yes. and so forth. And, you know, at this point in time, when I do the interviews or when people call and they ask about homeschooling and what, you know, and I would ask many times or sometimes I would see something on a Facebook post. And, you know, I have seen posts where people are saying that the preschool, I guess they want to remain relevant, but the preschool is sending work home for the two and a half year old to do in front of a computer. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, um, no, <laughs> that shouldn't be happening. Because, and not only just like, a little bit of thing, you know, it's like the entire day they want to engage the child again because they want to remain relevant. So I know it's a loss of income for a lot of schools. I'm sensitive to that fact. But at the same time, not at the expense of my child's mm -hmm. childhood. So I think, and I've told a lot of parents, why don't you spend the time cooking and baking with your children? And just, you know, everybody was clamoring for a long time, as, as far as I can remember. People are always lamenting the lack of time they have because they're so busy with work and they're busy with other things and the back and forth with school. And, and this is a fantastic time for them to just reinvest in themselves, but reinvest in their children as well and spend that time together as a family, creating those bonds that may have been broken down over the passage of time, you know. But here we are, you know, still looking to see how much work <laughs> they can yeah. get done. And I understand, of course, parents have to work from home and they don't want the kids in front of the television or up to mischief on social media for any length of time. But at the same time, a lot of them, I think, uh, they, they, their focus is, is a bit misplaced, just to kind of put it mildly, because really and truly, character building, as we did, I said in our parenting um, webinar uh, two Fridays ago, or, yeah, yeah, two Fridays ago, is a wonderful thing that we could all focus on right now. So we're talking about curriculum choices, but I had to just put that in there. Let's not lose the focus. Yeah. Yes, we're going to give you the information here this afternoon. But at the same time, that simple Montessori method that people kind of abdicated, they kind of tossed that aside because they wanted the kids to be reading and writing by the age of two and a half, three. You know, and I felt victim, I felt victim to that as well, you know, because I wasn't always homeschooling. And so I was right there in the rat race with everybody trying to make sure your children are doing this and they're doing that. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. When everybody is reading, nobody cares who started to read at three and who started to read at six. When everybody's walking, nobody cares who was walking at nine months and who didn't walk until they were 15 or 16 months. It really is not a race. Well, All right. Thanks so much, exactly Barbara. Right. Bernadette. Um, mm -hmm. I just want just one more thing I will add to that. Um, once you study the develop, the 
the um, development of children and you understand that most of yeah. their learning takes place through play. And so the more live That's right. play activity that you can give them between zero and seven years old, they will learn the most from that. So computer really should be That's right. severely limited if used at all in those young years. So yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. I exactly. And I had, I had a, yeah. And I had a podcast where I had Stacey and Hans Raj come to speak to that as well. You know, we doing all the educational apps and we pushing all of these things in front of our children's faces. But when it comes to their neurodevelopmental um, capacity and all those wonderful things that goes on up there, it does them more harm than good because in reality, their classrooms are not as animated as the, the tablet they have in front of them or the laptop. So you would find now the child will now end up being um, diagnosed as having ADD or ADHD because they can't sit still in a classroom. But if you've fed them a lot of animation and brightly colored stuff through the laptops and through the media and so forth, when they get to school, it's not like that. So they can't keep still. They can't focus etc etc it's a whole rabbit hole we end up going down um as you said something about that zero to seven there barbara it reminded me of an article i read recently and something i knew um Anne mentioned singapore singapore finland they don't really believe in starting formal school until the age of seven i fully subscribe to that now i didn't subscribe to it before but after doing years of research and you know homeschooling for the 11 years i've learned a lot still learning and I don't subscribe to pushing a lot of work. As you said, Barbara, the children are still developing so much and shoving a pencil in their hand at the age of two, three years old is not doing them, um, it's not being beneficial to them. It's not helping them as much as we think it is. Okay, Fiona, so tell us about your curriculum choice. What have you been using? How has it been working okay, out? Okay, so um, where we are concerned, uh, my, uh, my, our homeschooling curricula has been also influenced by um, speaking to, to homeschooling families, um, but also, and it would have come out with everyone as well, also in terms of the goals we would have had for the children, mm -hmm. in addition to the type of child you have. And so, uh, right. so one of the things that, that you know, as, as a, a, a teacher, um, would have worked with children throughout the spectrum from primary up to university. Uh, there was some things that stood out to me. Um, I guess maybe some deficiencies in my own education and some of the things I would have seen around. And so that would have shaped eventually how I would have wanted uh, to see our children educated. And so let me give you an example. Um, mm -hmm. Subjects like history, literature, philosophy, those kinds of um, humanities type subjects I've found to be um, yeah. not valued much for younger children um, in, in Trinidad and Tobago or in the Caribbean. And, but as somebody who taught, teaches history and who loves literature, uh, who did literature, um, I always wanted my own children to be exposed to those areas because I found that those were some of the areas that really shaped and influenced uh, my perspective, my ideas, um, philosophy, um, you know, Christianity, my, my, my values. And so I felt as though the core of the education we would want to pass on to our children when we had them should, influ should, be, should be influenced by those areas. Another challenge I felt I also had right. was the fact that we've streamed children too young. So if you were seen as a so-called STEM computer science person, then the arts and humanities and stuff was not for you. And I purposefully did not mm -hmm. want to pass on that type of uh, prejudice to my children. I wanted them to be exposed to all areas of learning equally. I didn't want to say, hey, okay, you're an arts child. That means you're not good at biology or you won't do well at physics, mm -hmm. right? And so all of these things were important to me. Mm -hmm. And so the first curriculum I was also exposed to through Anne-Marie would have been Sunlight. And as Anne-Marie would have said, Sunlight was a literature type um, a literature approach to curriculum. So I love that. The books, the layout of the curriculum um, was really yeah. good. And also all the additional choices that you had going with Sunlight. Um, so the first time we used a formal curriculum for Ashka, which is our first, I used Sunlight. Um, but Ashka was a really interesting child. And at the time, we didn't know that she was a bit on the gifted spectrum. And so even as I was using Sunlight, I realized that, that there were certain other things I needed to use for her. And while doing my research, I came upon the classical approach to education. 
And the classical approach in a nutshell is basically broken down into three, three phases. The grammar phase, which is the, what we would call the elementary or primary phase. The logic phase, which roughly would, be, would equate mm-hmm. to, you know, like form standard five to form two, three, form one to form three, that age. And then um, the rhetoric phase, which would be later high school when you're specializing sort of phase, right? And so what really stood out to me um, right. with the classical approach was that it was an approach, a frame. And so the framework, the ideology behind classical education, the exposure to, ch- of, uh, to young children of similar subjects to, to, to sunlight, but in a particular uh, way with the three different tiers in terms of you know, the developmental phases, um, really appealed to me. Because then what I did is that I was able to look at other curricula and fit them into that framework. And so that was mm-hmm. how I would choose supplementing curricula. So sunlight fit very well into the classical um, framework for me. And so even the, the, the classical curricula we settled on, which was based on the book, The Well-Trained Mind, um, sunlight uses some of their books in their right. curriculum, right? Like their history. Uh, I also mm-hmm. have done courses right. with wisdom and I found wisdom and the Socratic method also fits well within a classical frame because uh, Socrates was one of those classical educators um, from ancient Greece. And so, so that has been sort of my base to work with, with the children because the, the, the classical method merges the whole um, use of content subjects like science and history and philosophy very nicely with the skills, skills, more skill area, vocabulary, reading, um, writing, math. And so it helps me to understand what kind of approach I would want to take to their education and, and, and to help sort of keep me on track because I could be a curriculum junkie. And also interestingly for math, right. I actually experimented with the local curriculum for math. I started using, well, I started off with Singapore and then I switched to the local back in the early days because I, 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 I don't know, I guess when you first start, you feel a little bit un- insecure, you know, because I wanted you? to have like a benchmark. Yeah. Yes, of course. And, but I've then with Ashley, it wasn't working. You know, she mm-hmm. would do a, 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 an area and do really well. Mm-hmm. And then when we came back to that area, it's like she couldn't remember anything. And so that bothered. And in, in mm-hmm. doing some more, some more research, um, I decided to go finally with Horizons, um, because I also needed that sort of parent workbook guide, but I like the spiral method to math, where you're learning more than one topic at a time. And really, that's how people, that's how we test math. That's how we do math. We don't do math in silos, where you only have to do addition or only subtraction. Right. Math is something that, you know, you do it. You do many functions at the same time. Your brain has to work on many functions at the same time. And so working like that, I found has helped her because... She may be learning addition, but she probably is learning other areas as well and other areas related to addition. And then you have the real life problems that you have to work out. So it's not just work it out on a textbook, which she's very good at. And, you know, you learn all your tables and whatever, and you can do that well. So what does this look like in real life now? If you're at a party and you have to do this and you have to do this, you have to buy this, you have to do this. How, how do you put that together using your functions? And so I've seen her over the past. And we, I mean, right. one thing she did not like was that we took her back last year to grade three. That really concerned her. Um, but I told her, math is, is it's not about <laughs> age. This is about foundation and you have to build. And up to today, I was telling her, yeah. if we just move on and you get to form five, we will have to come back to here to see where is your gap and then continue to build. So let's build a proper foundation and go from mm-hmm. there. So, so far, I've, I find that Horizons yeah, is working um, better for her. Um, the little one, she is also very interesting. Um, she's a little bit more, I haven't had her tested yet, but she, she follows a little bit more of the classical definition of a gifted child. Um, Alina, in terms of, and I mean, I mean, Nick, we'll get into this later on, right? But just as, as a aside, Alina, um, mm-hmm. and it really stood out to me over this past two months where we were in sort of lockdown with COVID. Alina, in the past two months, and I'm not exaggerating, yeah. read almost every single appropriate book for her age in the house. She ate it up literally, uh, including Charles wow. Dickens um, and some other things I had to check when she went to, wants to go on to Shakespeare. I told her, no, you can't do Shakespeare because this really is not appropriate for you in terms of content. 
<laughs> so then she moved Content, on to history. Yeah. <laughs> she moved on to history. She said, okay, what else is there for me? And she read through the entire of the story of the world ancient times book one in, a, in about two weeks. And then she read through book two. And then Ashka started to become very concerned <laughs> because Ashka's on book three. And she's like, mommy, she can't read my book. <laughs> she can't read book three. <laughs> so in trying That's to right. balance them off, <laughs> we can't have that. I said, Alina, hold up, you know. Um, but Alina does not like to write. It's too boring for her. She has the ability, but she's not interested. And so what I had to do with her um, and, and, and how mm-hmm. she learns, I had to sort of mix and match. So the first four years of her life, all she really wanted to do was play. She was not interested in formal, any kind of formal, really formal learning. Every toy Ashka did not play with, she dredged up. Mm-hmm. And so in, I bought things from, not bought, I took things from Barbara to use for Lena because she just wanted things to touch, things to manipulate, things to play while listening to what I was teaching Ashka and sometimes answering her comprehension questions at, at three and four, mm. age three and four. So, so one of the, yeah. I don't want to say challenges. Yeah. It is a challenge, but it's also a journey, an exciting journey. It, for me, over the past few years has been, how do I work with the gifted child now? Um, and knowing that within, within our context, not much has been done for children who are who are gifted in terms and even in terms of testing as well and what that would look like. Um, so moving forward, these are some of the things that my family has to consider. There is one curriculum we looked at um, by a person called Michael Clay Thompson of Royal Fireworks Press. Uh, we bought some of, I bought some of his language books um, to sort of integrate. I haven't done that yet. Um, in terms of looking at, you know, well, what are some of the ways to teach divergent thinkers, gifted children where language is concerned? Um, and not just language, mm-hmm. sorry, learning is concerned. But one of the things has really been that whole narrative, conversational, Socratic approach, constantly listening to them, talking to them, hearing their ideas, not shutting them up, not being too shocked with some of the ideas they may express. And so again, I found the classical curriculum mm-hmm. with the literature approach and the Socratic approach has really helped our homeschool um, where the children are concerned. Okay. Okay, great. Thank you so much for yes, sharing. I'm back. Um, welcome back. <laughs> yeah. I know you had a bit of a connection problem there, so I kept trying you all the time. So I'm glad that you're able to join us again. <laughs> well, I'd like to really begin by agreeing with Barbara's opening statement, which was that parents talking to other parents are truly your best resource. And so for mm-hmm. me, back when I started, there weren't very many parents around to talk to. However, there was one young homeschooling family. And so I, I piggybacked off of what their experience was at that time. And I began with what is called, commonly referred to as a workbook system. Um, the two workbook systems that I've mainly used would be LifePack and Horizons. And what I really like about their system is that me, a young mom, having... V- well, I I was going to say very little, but I'll say no experience in teaching my own children at home, that workbook system laid everything out for me. All I had to do was to be able to read. And so it ensured that I covered the expected curricula for each grade level. And it gave me great comfort and confidence at the beginning of my homeschooling journey. However, um, what may work for one child will not work for another. And I've been blessed with five very diverse children with different capabilities and learning styles. So even as I examined um, what was the question, what was my core curriculum to come and talk to you today, I, I see that my core curriculum was very different with each child. So while, let's say, the life pack system, their math program remained a constant with all five of the children, Um, I would say what, again, was good about that for me is that math not being an area of strength for me, that what I liked about that, that particular program, pretty much like the Horizons concept, um, it's a spiral method of teaching where they they keep reteaching or they, they keep past topics in and build on it. And while math was not my strength, Mm -hmm. I was able to follow what was provided for me, the teaching materials, the worksheets, the assessments. 
and um, quite frankly, I am pleasantly surprised that I've, I have produced children who do really well in math, um, even though it's not my area of strength. So I liked Life Park math in particular for that. So I stuck with that throughout. Um, for the other four children, I had to begin to tweak. So for science, my program began to drift away from Life Park and into a system called Exploration Education Science Kits for lower and middle school. Because the three boys that followed were very hands-on and they wanted to do and see everything. And those kits were designed with a, a teaching text and workbook and a, a CD-ROM um, so that the children can learn the theory. But then right after, the kit had in it everything they needed to build, to manipulate, to do the experiments that would prove the hypothesis and the theories that were being um, taught in the text. In the text. Um, so that really mm -hmm. worked well um, for science for us. Um, there was a year that I invested in sunlight. And I love the concept of sunlight, but sunlight in the way it was written did not work for my household, simply because a lot of the members of my family, I would say right. dyslexia gallops through our yard, right? So they didn't enjoy reading <laughs> the books. Well, not when I said they, I would say more of them. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. of them did enjoy personal reading. Some of them absolutely didn't. But what they all enjoyed was the quality of books, which I then took upon myself to do as all read-alouds for them. And the same um, richness of science and geography and history that would come from these living books all my children would have been enjoyed and benefited from. So while I did not follow the curriculum as it was designed, um, I certainly did not waste a dollar on any of the books that I got from my, my Sunlight program. And in addition to that, and very important to our household, mm -hmm. we had specific programs designed for a number of the children by a neurodevelopmental specialist because... Um, all children, as I said, are very different. And I had some that had neurodevelopmental issues that needed to be corrected. Um, Fiona would have spoken on the need to set a foundation. It makes no sense. I put bookwork in front of you if there's something that needs tweaking in the brain or with your body or with your speech. And so we had to That's pause right. for some of our mm -hmm. children the, the yeah. academic mm -hmm. pursuit of learning from books and, and those kinds of man, and manipulatives that go along with that to, to assess and to create a curriculum that was unique to them. So this was not a packaged curriculum, but it was designed for me to use with specific children. Um, and then added on to that, there were a number of different, um, different things that we used to tweak from child to child. Things like the Character First program, which continues to be a mainstay in our household, um, because it feeds into the reason why we homeschool. We want to develop uh, morally responsive yeah. and responsible children. And so character training, wisdom training is one of the main um, foundational things that we teach in our house. Character first programs, excellent stuff. There was a program called Extra Math, which is really a math fact builder on online. And that really helped the children develop um, speedy math fact memory. Um, there, there are a few books in a series called Hero Tales, which again, um, get history, you get um, social issues, you get um, character values from those books for language. Again, each child, there, were, there was one particular child that his main um, language curriculum was something called the logic of English, um, which did not... Okay, so I would have used hooked on phonics with a couple of my children, and that worked really well for them. But for my child with a classic dyslexic brain, he needed rules that played fair, that actually were rules that were rules, not with a high percentage of exceptions. So the logic of English provided that for him. Mm -hmm. While for me, the rules 
that was laid out in that system seemed a little um, much. But he needed it. When he got it, it was like, okay, well, it makes sense now. Yeah. Um, so that he got the it. programs that would have been That's um, right. presented to me by the Dyslexia Association, LIPS, now Foundations, those were very instrumental in getting his language going solid. And, you know, one or two other things, but we would go on and on. Um, one thing I would want to add, um, and it's because it's a question <laughs> on curriculum that I get often, is about local history, geography, and social studies. So again, while I would have used, um, not sunlight, life park for their history and geography program, I liked to substitute it with some things that I got locally. So I would buy a local tourist book, you know, that lovely coffee table book that you would have for somebody who visited your country. And you give them this book, hardly anybody reads, but it's got yes. everything about who wrote your anthem and your festivals and your religions. So I use that, so to speak, as a living book for them to learn about their country from. Um, I would have accessed some, some DVDs that was put out by Paolo Kunahan, The Road Less Traveled and Bush Diaries, which took us on virtual tours of various historical landmarks across the country, as well as... Yes, and places that your friend will not visit, like the Karani Swamp and, and well, all those lovely bushy places. You miss it. You miss it. <laughs> after we looked at the Bush Diaries, um, each little show within the, the, the CD, um, within the DVD, the children would clamor, well, mommy, you have to take us there now. So we had many wonderful stories, yes, to different places. We did carry a few families yes. into MM present company. And it was really oh my it was a rich learning experience <laughs> of, about the children learning about their country, the beautiful places, and the history attached to it. And I dare say things that they will never forget. Versus when you when you learn for a test, and then you forget all about what. That's right. Yeah. So so true. That is really fantastic, and that's a wonderful way to. Um, kind of segue into what I wanted to say. Two things based on what Fiona just shared, you just shared, in fact, what everybody shared here is that basically we want to teach yes. our children strengths, yeah, and wherever their weaknesses may be, we help them, we come along and we assist them. It's not a race, education is not a race. In fact, education is lifelong. I am in my 40s, early 40s, and I am still learning, you know, and so, you know. We, we really do need to do better, you know, rather than just looking to pass to the test. Because most times, nine out of ten times, three weeks after the exam, the children have not retained anything. And you're right, Bernadette. That <laughs> time when you took us in the bush to visit the, um, it's the right, well, it's the um, right center. And all the other places, you're dragging to those farms and stuff. <laughs> Kicking <laughs> to the um, pitch lake and stuff. Yes, places I would have never <laughs> gone with my city slicking self. Um, I thank you all because, because I was able to see parts of my country um, and take my children along on the journey because left up to me, it probably would not have happened. So I'm really, really grateful. These, these ladies, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, are the ladies that were the core um, at the beginning of my homeschooling journey. When I first started homeschooling, these were the ladies that were around me. There are a couple others, but... These were the ones that were there to hold me up when I didn't want, when I couldn't handle the hike to wherever we were going to. They were there to fan me, to hold a baby, to push a stroller, that kind of thing. Because homegirl here is not accustomed, okay? Let's not beat around the bush. I'm not accustomed to those things. But I'm so grateful for them. And we do, you know, we have been able, thank God, to give our children some really life-enriching experiences because we really do believe in teaching um, and allowing life to be the classroom so they could learn what they're learning, make it practical, make it applicable. Um, I read an article recently, and I alluded to it earlier, where they, the schools in Finland are now coming away from, I will share it on my Facebook page, and I'll see if I could link it here. Um, the schools in Finland are now coming away from, I think, Fiona mentioned it as well, where you specialize in a particular thing at a particular time. They're allowing, so we yes. do that from very, very early, right? But in Finland, what they're doing, they're doing it now, yes, 
but it's like the way they have done it, it's like so excellent. It's basically what we do. So just like through the gifted hands workshops that I do through one of my companies, what the finished schools are doing now, according to this particular study, is that they are allowing the children to decide where they want to go in life. And so only the subjects that line up with their life's goals, they are mandated to take, so to speak. So no longer are children being forced to do physics and stuff. So Fiona talked about streamlining from a very young age, but now when they're older and they kind of have their wits about them, they know where they want to go, Finland is allowing the children to do the things that will take them to where they want to go. So if a child, for example, wants to be... I don't know, maybe a YouTuber or something, then they get to study maybe videography, technical, I don't know. But that's what they're doing. And I find it to be so remarkable because a lot of children are being forced to do subjects. They're not coping well in it, right? Um, it's, it has no bearing on life for them and they're being forced to do it. And I think that's why a lot of children don't really like school. But I have to say, and I've spoken to several of your children and to mine, our kids love our method of educating them. Um, parents that are listening, that are thinking about it. In fact, pretty soon, Anne-Marie, I will publish the episode that Anya did, and you'll get to hear from another homeschool child um, what her take is on homeschooling. You've heard from my children already, but you're going to get to hear from more, maybe from some of these other ladies and their children, what their take on this whole homeschooling experience has been like. Ladies, anything you want to leave with our listeners as we wrap up? I'll give you a few seconds, each of you, just to say something, just to give them advice, starting with you, Anne-Marie. Um, what I'd like to say is uh, enjoy your children. Enjoy the journey. Um, give yourself plenty of grace. Yes. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Grace, <laughs> um, grace, grace to learn. Grace to know that you'll make mistakes. Grace to know that you know it's in the learning process. Right. Um, each child is different. Um, call a friend when you need to um, get some encouragement. Um, yeah, I, I think um, learning to enjoy the journey and giving yourself grace, I think, is really important. Okay, great. Thank you, Barbara. Excellent. I would piggyback on that um, by saying uh, I, I heard this statement recently and it was jump in with both feet and hang on because it'll be a bumpy ride. And um, it, there are lots of bumps and twists and turns, but enjoy the time that you have with your children and um, don't ever think that you've got something else out there that you have to get to or that's more important or whatever. Um, yes, we multitask. Um, but there are different seasons that we have. And just now your kids are going to be big and gone. And you'll say, where did those days go? Um, so if you choose to jump into this homeschooling thing, um, go into it with the mindset that I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to uh, value the time that I have to develop with my children. Great. Great. Thank you. Well, Barbara. to add to what Anything we have already said, um, just remember that what may work for one child will not work for another. What may work for one family will not work for your Amen. family. <laughs> so don't compare your homeschool with other people's homeschool. It's wonderful to glean from the experience of others, but don't try to make a carbon copy of anyone else's homeschool. You are a unique person. Your children are unique. God paired you with these children. So he knows that you have something in you that they need. So give them more of you. So, so I'm not going to try to be like Barbara or like Nikki or like Anne-Marie or like Fiona. I need to give them more of me, the dramatic woman with flair and outspoken and vivacious. They're going to get that. Some children may need something a little more serious and they would have gotten a mummy that would reflect that for them. So be confident in who God made you and give your children more of you. Thank you so much. Fiona? Yeah, I just want to reiterate what that said in terms of the comparison, because it, it, is, it, is, it is easy to compare, you know, especially when you're young and you're new and you're gleaning and you're learning from others. And, um, and it's good to start off maybe trying something someone else has mm -hmm. tried. But then 
as you learn yourself, you will learn yourself on this journey, things about yourself you did not know. And as you learn your children, let that shape how you choose your curriculum. So if something is not working, don't see that as being a failure or you have failed or maybe you have wasted money. You could sell it, you know, um, but see it as gain some knowledge, you know, and so be flexible. I think flexibility is one of those things that you really need while you're homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, you speak to young families and they, so they want to know, okay, so if you use this, you know, you probably will not use it for the rest of your life, <laughs> your rest of your homeschooling journey. It will change. It will, it's not <laughs> exactly. static. This is not a static journey. This is a mm-hmm. dynamic journey. And for persons with personality like myself who like things, you know, done a particular way and laid out a particular way, I have learned so much, you know, and, and, and I'm probably the youngest family on this journey. Well, you have the youngest children, but I am a, a young on this journey still, you know, and um, um, mm-hmm. and embarking on, on, on beginning to homeschool at the high school level. And, you know, but as Barbara and Anne-Marie would have said, the time goes quickly, you know, the time it, it, you feel it, but it goes quickly. And when I think about Ashka, I think, you know, in six years, Ashka is going to be an adult. Where did that time go? You know, um, so I'm grateful to yeah. have that time to continue to work with them, to continue to learn with them and to continue to help as much as possible to equip them for life. And this is what homeschooling is. It's equipping them for life, you know, mm-hmm. academic, cognitive, but That's life, right. their emotions, their physical self, their health. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that is that is really mm-hmm. what homeschooling is about. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Life is the classroom. Teach, um, learn, experience love share whatever needs to happen but we must lose fact or lose lose sight of the fact that these are our children still they may be our students for a season but they will always be our children so let's love on them and treat with them as we should ladies thank you so much for your time have a great day you too